0: Hello, hello, hello. These are your hosts, Ateet and Tappan, and this is Cold Brew Money. We talk about money because your friends and family won't. Hi, Ateet. How are you doing? Good, good. How are you? All good. All good. So, Ateet, do you think Baba will fall down to zero? <laughs> yeah, that is becoming
1: uh, interesting. I was, I was actually looking up like what happens if a company gets delisted, right? Yeah. I don't think it's going to zero because like fundamentally, if you know baba just goes away a lot of things will go yeah. wrong so i know the fundamental value of the company i don't think is going zero anytime soon yeah um but what happens if it gets delisted because of regulations and stuff uh that that is something we should probably cover in the next uh yeah. you know next episode or something because that yeah. is a non-zero event
0: yeah. You know? I, I was actually uh, looking into it as well so the current fall like it fell down to 111 or something right uh, right now it's at stagnant at 125 but when it fell down to 111 it was because of DD the Uber equivalent in China getting delisted mm-hmm. So I was reading I mean any company in China gets this delisted or something happens Alibaba will get impacted because everyone thinks China is like all, all Chinese is- talk right like yeah, even yeah, Tencent yeah. All of them move together right so uh i was reading about it and the reason DD made sense to get delisted was the chinese government had advised them against getting listed in new york and they mm. against the advice of chinese government they went and got listed anyway so china like was just like
1: flexing yeah, their muscle yeah
0: exactly how can you go against us right so that was going to ought to happen with Alibaba, I think it's China's baby, and they're trying to uh, work with uh, them to make sure that everything is in proper order. So that that was one of the reasons. And delisting DD was fine, but like I, Alibaba, like it's a risk for sure, but doubtful it will happen. Hopefully, it won't happen.
1: If you just look at the base rates, right? Like the number of Chinese companies that are getting delisted is like very few right mm-hmm. so right now it feels that a lot of those companies will get delisted. but if you look at history and the base rates, it's, it's unlikely that it, it might happen yeah. um, and that's where the the contrarian thing is right like people are moving away from it uh, any event something like this when something like this happens is when your value investing belief is tested your thesis is tested
0: and talking about China, today's topic is going to be uh, about a Chinese super investor uh, as well. Uh, so let's get started with that. Uh, in this episode, we'll be going over concepts such as margin of safety, Mr. Market and compounding explained by none other than Lu, who is a manager of Himalaya Capital, which is an 18.5 billion fund out of which 2.1 billion are invested in the US markets. More importantly, uh, he's a value him- investor himself and a student of Warren Buffet and Charlie Munger, whom we follow closely. Uh, he's also hailed as the Chinese Warren Buffet. And here's the kicker, right? If you had invested $1,000 with Lilu in 1997, the total return as of today would have been $321,000 compared to $6,600 if you had invested in S&P. So when he talks about value investing, we have to listen to him and today we are going to do the same. It's a video that we found online on YouTube and we will be going over the content uh, while sharing our screen as well so you can watch it with us. But before we start, as always, if you like Kolburu Money, please hit the subscribe button on YouTube, share it with your friends and family, it helps us a lot, let's get started. as i said lilu is a value investor who we closely follow and he has a very interesting backstory right uh he fled china uh back in 1989 so he was one of the protest student protesters in the Tiananmen, Tiananmen square uh protest right and he fled uh to the us from france and when he fled uh he didn't know what to do right so he somehow managed he lived with relatives. This is what I've read and seen on YouTube videos. Right, he lived with some of his relatives and somehow managed to get a scholarship in Columbia University. And while he was studying at Columbia University, he got a degree in economics, physics, and also a graduate in business, which is like impressive. Wow. Yeah, if you think about it, right. And and funny story, right. So he got invested interested in uh, finance, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, because of economics, right and uh, in 1993 and this again is via youtube videos watching mm-hmm. recently in 1993 he so he didn't know about what was value investing or whatever right but mm-hmm. he was studying in colombia and in 1993 one of his friends he said uh, hey there is this guy warren buffet who is coming to the college to give a speech would you want to come now Lilu, he didn't speak english properly he was learning while in colombia from with his three degrees he was also learning english right So he heard Buffet and he thought there was a lunch Buffet. Oh, really? So yeah. So he (laughs) just tagged along along with his friend to get lunch and then ended up listening to Warren Buffet. And I think in one of the interviews, he said that was a pivotal movement and like switching on the value investing thing in his head. And then he started following Ben Graham and all that stuff, which is like interesting. So never skip Buffets, right?
1: I will take a free breakfast buffet anytime. Anyplace.
0: Uh, yeah, let, let's let's get started with the video and uh, we'll keep pausing as we have some thoughts.
2: The basic concept of a uh, value investing obviously is uh, many, many decades old, but today I think it is as relevant as uh, when it was first laid out by Benjamin Graham at Columbia six, seven decades ago. There's essentially just a three basic ideas uh, the first one is that the stock is not a piece of a paper that you treat, mm-hmm. but it represents a fraction ownership of a company. And therefore, valuing the stock ought to really have a basic variance of valuing the company as a whole. And then secondly, that valuing any financial asset that uh, you have to a really predict the future uh, to discount the cash flow of the future cash earnings. And the future is inherently difficult mm-hmm. to predict. And therefore, you really want to leave yourself a margin of safety so that you could be wrong mm-hmm. or you could be right. But because the future is a distribution of, of, of opportunity, I mean, with statistic possibilities, mm-hmm. say you bet on something that 90% of the chances you could be right, but then a 10% chance occurred, and so all of a sudden it become 100%. So you want to leave enough of margin of safety. In other words, you want to buy at a low enough of a price. Even if all the adverse uh, events occurred against you in the future, uh, you will still be in the game. It doesn't mean you won't lose money, but it just means that you will not lose so much that you'll be out of the game. Because investing is really a long game, it can play over the life of anybody's career, and so you want to be really in the game somehow over the long haul. In the first two minutes we discussed a bunch of
0: things, right, Lilo, right, Uh, so many many things, Uh, and I don't think so we've discussed some of the topics on the podcast yet, so we'll just clarify some of them, like margin of safety right but uh the first one was when you buy a company a stock you're not just buying a piece of paper you're buying a business itself which like you need yeah. to inherently value right which was very nice
1: yeah i mean that's that's the very basic thing but so many people forget i mean and uh especially like when when at least when i was starting out it was it was a stock, right? It was uh, just a, a symbol on an app, or I don't like I don't care about who's running it or, yeah. or what the business does or anything. I just care about the price, right? That that was my mentality. But that's not what value investing is, right? It's it's actually just because it is trading every day um, or because it is divided into pieces. Uh, it is difficult to imagine it as like a whole company, but you should always think of it as like buying it as a whole company. Right. Yep. So if you have a business, you think of the business as a whole, right? You you don't think it as in terms of like shares. So yeah. yeah I think it I think it's a very valuable, very basic first principles thinking to be
0: a value investor. Yeah. One more thing I wanted to ask. I think uh everyone like talks about like hey the sensex is going up or it's going down for today right if mm-hmm. you own a piece of business does it like really matter if the Sensex goes up or down like it you just care about your business right like the one that you own i mean it will move with the sentiment like with the market right like it will go up or down based on that but uh, like underlying value of the company would change in the end mm. whatever the yeah i mean
1: yeah, so the price is independent of the value, right? Like the pri- for in the short term. Yeah, in the long term, it definitely makes sense. But in the short term, the uh, price is independent of the value and you want to look at the value. And to look at the value, you have to think of it as a whole business, what the whole entity is doing. So yeah, I mean, uh, you don't necessarily need to look at uh, the index to under and care about like what, what your business is doing. Yeah,
0: yeah fair okay the second idea that he brought up and and was... if you have this principle
1: right like if you think of it as like a whole business then uh, you will stop caring about what the stock price is right so we we discussed this misconceptions in like previous videos but a five thousand dollar stock is not expensive than a five a five dollar stock Right? You have to look at the market cap. Like if the market cap of like that $5,000 stock could be like 100 billion, whereas this $5 could be like 200 billion. Right? So Mm -hmm. if you think of it like as a whole business, then you know that company A, although it is trading at uh, uh, $5,000 per share, the whole business is only valued at 100 billion. Whereas this is, although the price of the stock is less, it is still more expensive. Uh, expensive and quotes then uh, or valued more by the market than the company A. Right. so i think it, that that is also like a very basic like just because uh the, because yeah. the de- denominator of the shares right the number of shares is different for each it's it, not all companies have the same number of shares so
0: yeah Important. no that makes sense yeah cool and the second idea concept that he brought up uh, during the first two minutes is the uh, margin of safety We've discussed this in, I think, in our Mental Models episode and Monish Pabra episode and then Filtown episode. I think all three of them, we'll link it uh, in the show notes as well. But uh, essentially what margin of safety means is, okay, sure, you got the fair value using your DCF model or using Filtown's calculator, whatever, you got your fair value. But we all are prone to making mistakes, right? If Leeloo is saying he makes mistakes because you are trying to predict something in the future, which is very difficult. So, and even Warren Buffet says he makes mistakes. So, if they are making mistakes, like, I'm sure even yeah, I'm making there's mistakes. There's a quote, right?
1: Like, predictions are difficult, especially about the future.
0: Exactly, yeah. right? So, yeah. So, that's why margin of safety is so important. You need to have a... It's almost like a cushion that helps you be protected. And as Lilu put it, be in the game for a long run, right? Because if you make a bet and if your prediction was wrong and if you lose out and you have to you are not able to come back in the game or like invest more and you just have to quit then you're just losing on staying for a long term in the game right and then you're losing out on the compounding and stuff so that's why margin of safety helps you do that yeah go ahead
2: And also
1: like uh, another thing he mentioned was uh, thinking in terms of probabilities, right? Like he said, there's a distribution of uh, outcomes that can happen, right? Because that's how the world works. Like there's don't think of in terms of binary outcomes. That's what, you know, we always think of you know like something if you make a decision uh, it's either positive uh, decision or a bad uh, negative decision but there's so probability of outcomes that can happen Um, and uh, always think in terms of that and uh, have uh, like that margin of safety basically plays into that probability distribution so that you're more on the positive side and you're protecting yourself uh, right. from that so yeah I think thinking in expected values is is, uh, is a game changer for me at least
0: yeah no, that's fair um, and again going back to margin of safety I think Town takes it at 50% of something like that so if your fair value is coming yeah. at 100 he Buys it only if the price, current price of the stock is at 50, which is rare in today's market. So I think we discussed this during Alibaba, yeah, during the Alibaba interview. But during our Alibaba episode, we said like with margin of safety, Alibaba's price should have been 130. And it's now at so there, you go. <laughs> so it is still possible, but uh, very rare, very rare.
1: Yeah, wondering. and and you'll you'll find these things only when uh, events like this happens where everything is looking bad. I mean, you will never find uh, a gem or like anything at such a deep discount if things are yeah. going well because obviously the you know market is efficient that way, mm-hmm. so you have to uh, take that risk that you're basically getting rewarded for taking that risk when everyone else thinks this is getting delisted or going to zero. That's when you think in terms of probabilities that what are the chances of it getting delisted versus what are the chances of it get, uh, being fine like in a uh, year, two year, five years yeah. and uh, what would be the return if I invest and then you calculate the expected return expected value um and, and uh, play the probability game so I think it's it's a lo- and again this is just one event you have to keep on doing this across a lot of uh, uh such bets you have to place a lot of these bets and then a law of large number kicks in and you would see that probably like that that uh return started to Start kick coming. in so
2: yeah and the third concept is mr market to figure out a frame of a mind to think that uh, when the market is against you, you really look at it as a a, a neurotic uh, Mr. Market that's prone for emotional and irrational behaviors. So those are the three basic concepts. At the heart of it is obviously it is this market idea that you want to really get what you pay for. Now obviously that's what everybody wanted. And if everybody want the same thing, you would think that uh, all of the professional investors will be value investors. And that's just a further <laughs> thing from the truth. In fact, value investing, as is properly practiced, constitutes a tiny small minority of all the investment professionals. Majority of the people hold a different views. And let me just articulate for them the alternative views about the investor. Number one, that yes, stock, legally represent fractional claims, fractional ownership, but is first and foremost a piece of paper you can't treat all the time. And therefore it follows that successful investing lies in the successful guessing of the stock movement based on whatever informed theories or practices that you can find. And thirdly, that the market is to be respected, indeed to be feared, because they really, through the market, you can actually find a value, and through the market, you can actually buy and sell. So this, there you go, a different view, and it sounds even more persuasive than the first views that I laid out as a value investor. In fact, I would say majority of the people really follow the latter rather than the former. So, as a young student trying to get into the business, which way do you follow? I would suggest that before you do that, you would go to some fundamental studies as to the result of various different approach and philosophies. Unfortunately, there has been numerous studies have done because we kept a pretty. Co- a track record uh, over the last 100 years at least, Is it, uh, and, and, and all the studies have uh, given an unmistaken conclusion that the true value investors as it pra- uh, properly practiced have consistently uh, outperformed the market, whereas all, just about all other strategies uh, either match the market or severely underperform the market over a long period of time.
0: Yeah, so Mr. Market is a concept that uh, Ben Graham brought up in his book, uh, The Intelligent Investor, right? Um, and it essentially says what Dilu said, right? That Mr. Market is um, very fickle. Uh, he, like, Mr. Market is happy some days, so sad some days, and very, like, moody in general. So you have to consider what Mr. Market says and, like, how it behaves. And based on that, like, you get value out of your asset, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. What was the other thing that you picked up on a from this video? You, you, uh, the biggest, uh, some of the biggest takeaways
1: for me from this video was, um, yeah, it's a long game.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, and I think all types of uh, like long-term investing is actually value investing, where you're basically uh, thinking in terms of probabilities and making bets uh, with uh, enough margin of safety. Um, which in the long term and with enough number of bets will reward you uh, better than if you were to maybe uh, do some sort of short-term trading or maybe even hold like an index fund or anything like that. Uh, But it requires a certain kind of mindset, which means you're like an operator mindset, right? You're owning the business, not a piece of stock or a piece of paper. Uh, Just because it, it is traded does not mean it should be traded so yeah these are like very fundamental first principles of how to be like i think uh, just a successful investor in general i you can apply this to anything not just stock market but if you're uh, like running a business or if you're thinking of buying like an investment property or you know like uh basically allocating any type of resource right you're you're hiring if you're hiring for your team you want a resource where you're paying them but you want something in return, which will generate you even more return than what you're paying them, right? So that's also sort of a value investment decision, a value investment decision. So, yeah, I think I think a lot of these principles uh, makes sense, and if if practiced correctly, might lead to a successful, wealthier, happier life
0: there that was it very well summarized and (laughs) we could end our episode right there Uh, that was it for today's episode thanks for listening everyone Uh, if you liked today's episode or if you like cold brew money in general please uh, hit the subscribe button give us a rating on apple podcast uh, share it with your friends and family it helps us out a lot we are on twitter instagram if you have questions the handle is at cold brew money but for now these were your hosts and this is cold brew money